Hello and welcome. Welcome to Radical Embodiment, the podcast. I am your host, Emily Wishall, and I am the author of the recently published book, Radical Embodiment, a practical guide to celebrating the skin you're in. I also work as an embodiment guide and a certified rolfer supporting women in releasing body shame and really learning how to love their body exactly as it is. My intention with this podcast is to offer you a new insight and perspective on how you get to be with your body so that you can release that worn out, exhausting story of being dissatisfied with your body. The more you listen to this podcast and do the practices that I suggest, the more you can expect a softening and the emergence of a gentler approach to how you view and talk to yourself. Change in the context of radical embodiment is not a diet. It is not a workout plan. Instead, it is an overhaul of the way we treat and perceive ourselves. It is the fierce application of gentleness to the gaze we offer ourselves. Hyperfocus around your weight and physical appearance robs you of your energy, clarity, power, and joy. I have created a method to help you learn how to love and inhabit yourself thoroughly and deeply. Each episode of this podcast will provide healing strategies to help you become more embodied and develop a more loving relationship with your body. If you enjoy the episodes, I would be deeply grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast at and download the episodes, as well as share with your friends, family, and community. Together, let's cultivate peace, serenity, and deep love for these beautiful bodies of ours. And now, to today's episode. Hey, it's Emily, and you've made it to episode three of the Radical Embodiment Podcast. Today's episode is on the seven main beliefs that keep you stuck in body hate. And so I'm going to go a little bit into each belief today. And these beliefs come from my own personal journey towards learning how to love my body, as well as beliefs that I see show up time and time again with the clients that I work with. So the story you tell yourself is the story you will see created throughout your day and throughout your life. The more you repeat a phrase or a belief, the more that you will see that belief validated through what you see or through how you perceive the external world. So before I go into the seven main beliefs, I want to talk a little bit and distinguish between your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. So your conscious mind is your awareness now in the present moment. So for example, my conscious mind, I'm aware right now that my dishwasher 
is is running and I'm here in my kitchen um, and I'm aware of, hmm, is that feedback picking up? Um, your conscious mind is, is, for example, like, you know, maybe when you're aware of noise on the outside of your home, um, maybe the trash people are coming, maybe you're aware of people walking by your window or you're aware that you're hungry. So that is your conscious mind. It's your awareness now in the present moment. Your subconscious mind, I think of it almost as like our constant back burner. So I also the analogy I often give is, is your subconscious mind, if you want to imagine, it kind of resembles like a fertile garden, meaning it really is the main driver in regards to how our inner garden is appearing or feeling to us, our inner garden being our inner mental and emotional state of being. So the subconscious mind really is your main driver in regards to how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your body. And if you're not tending to your subconscious mind as though you as though you attend to, you know, a garden, crops that are not desirable, weeds that are not desirable are what are going to grow in abundance. So here, what I'm meaning is, is your limiting belief. So it's essential that you are aware of what is circulating in your subconscious mind. It's essential that you're aware of what limiting beliefs are you repeating to yourself. If you aren't aware of that, one, awareness is the first step in creating any change in our lives. You first have to become aware. And... If you don't, you know, notice the limiting beliefs that are coming up, that are circulating back in the periphery of your subconscious mind, what will happen is you're going to continue to create and experience more of whatever that specific or specifics low vibration self-perpetuating philosophy is. And I've I'm going to go into, in just a second, all of the seven main um, limiting beliefs. And so talk a little bit specifically about each and about how they might be showing up for you. But I just wanted to set a little context first of the distinction between your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. And, And so what we're going to do is we're helping to kind of, we're shining some light on our subconscious mind of what is going on in our inner garden and how might we tend to that garden from a place of more love? How might we tend to our garden from a place of more acceptance and gentleness? Those who have worked with me or have been around me a little bit, a big theme in my work is gentleness. And I feel like this garden analogy for a subconscious mind is a really beautiful way to more naturally bring in more gentleness in our own healing growth journey. Because when you are tending to your garden, I don't imagine that you are really harsh or really rigid in how you till this. I mean, maybe you till the soil aggressively, but you 
the way that you nurture your plants, your herbs, your food, your flowers is, is coming from a place of gentleness, of, of love versus being really harsh. Like if your tomato plant isn't producing the amount of tomatoes you want, I don't think you're going to be like, you stupid tomato plant. You're probably going to want to get your, your initial reaction, I imagine, if you are a gardener or someone who has a garden, is more from a place of love or how can I tend to you better, tomato plant? What is it that you need? More sunlight, more water. Do we need to do something to the soil to help you grow in a more abundant, grow in a healthier way? And so as I go through these limiting beliefs and as you maybe notice how they apply to you, I really want to encourage you to invite in this state of gentleness, of really being gentle for yourself. If you've had these thoughts, if you notice that they're your main circulator and really grab on to that analogy of how you would tend to your own garden because this is your own inner garden. Okay, so let's get into the seven main beliefs that keep you stuck in body hate. So number one is, I am too fat. I am too fat. Or sometimes it's just, I am fat. And I first just want to name that Fat is not a feeling. I think so many of us, we adopt, we're like, I feel fat or I feel too fat or I feel too big. But that's that's actually not, it's, it's not a feeling. And typically when you are feeling too fat or you think that you're fat, more often than not, what's, what's, what's coming up, what you're really feeling deeper under the surface is maybe unlovable or unacceptable because of the way that your physical body appears or also because of the way that you perceive your physical body looks. And my work is primarily centered around supporting women in really learning to love their body and getting to reclaim their body and getting to have a really rich vast, delightful experience in this physical vessel. And for most of us women, we have been conditioned and trained that we are more acceptable. We are more lovable. We receive more acknowledgement, approval, and validation when we are small the thinner we are, the, the moment we lose weight. That is, that is how we've received a lot of our validation in this world is based on our body. And is our body, quote unquote, thin enough to be acceptable, to be lovable? Does our body fit into this mode, this model, this quote unquote, ideal way that a female body should look? specifically in um, American culture in the United States. So those of us who we felt have felt or believed that we felt, but that's not really what we felt, the too fat, that belief of I am too fat. 
We've tried to appear smaller to the external world and the hopes of receiving approval. And so with that, trying to appear smaller, we tend to limit our breath. We tend to suck in our stomachs. We try to take up as little space as possible. We restrict our calories. We go on crazy diets. And this preoccupation with how our body appears, this preoccupation with what food we're eating, this cycle is is created or is continuously reinforced. Specifically, if you are living in your subconscious mind with this belief of, I am too fat, you will more readily see, even though it's not true, you will more readily see in what you, the way that you will perceive your external outer world, meaning your daily interactions with others, meaning what you, you know, consume in social media or on television, you will more readily see evidence for how, why, yes, you are too fat. And so that limiting belief, that weed in your subconscious garden is being reinforced, is being tended to, it's given more like fertileness, it's given and will continue to grow. And I just want to mention that I will be going more deeply into each of these limiting beliefs in a separate episode. So over the course of the next seven episodes of this podcast, so it'll be episodes four through 10, I'm going to go deeper um, into each specific limiting belief. But this is a higher level introduction to the seven main beliefs that keep you stuck in body hate. So that was number one, I am too fat. Number two, I am weak. And the way that I am weak shows up can be a myriad of ways. Um, But I think a big piece of it, and in my book, Radical Embodiment, A Practical Guide to Celebrating the Skin You're In, I speak of the limiting belief of I am weak from mostly from this perspective of movement and exercise. And those of us who are stuck in the body hate or have been stuck in the body hate, typically your main motivating factor for moving your body, for exercising your body is to punish your body, is to control your body, is to try and make your body fit in to this model, this this small mode that you think it should look like. Um, So maybe it's, oh my God, I ate two cookies. I'm 500 calories over my daily limit. I better go to the gym. I better get on that Stairmaster. I better do some cardio to just blast out some calories. Have you ever been there? I'm like raising my hand. I'm like, yep, I can remember in college that that would be what I would do. I was aware. I remember in college, this period of time of feeling too fat. I've also like feeling weak, feeling weak in regards to what I believed was like my willpower and my lack of willpower and discipline because I couldn't stick to a diet. I couldn't stick to this 1,200 calorie plan because I believed, okay, 1,200 calories, it's what I'm supposed to be eating in order to be skinny. And I would go over those 1,200 calories time and time again. 
And instead of having that be a moment of like, huh, maybe this isn't enough food for me, I went into self-judgment and harshness towards myself. And I went into trying to punish my body by, oh, I went over my 1200 calorie limit. I better go, even though I'm really tired, I better go to the gym. I better go get on that elliptical and at least burn another 300 calories. And I'm sharing it's not an effort for you to feel sorry or feel bad for me at all, just to give a specific example of how this I am weak can show up. And so that I am weak to go deeper, it could show up, as I mentioned, feeling weak in your, um, what you are perceiving as, or what, and it's not our fault. I want to name that too, but what we are being made to perceive as our lack of willpower or our lack of discipline. And again, if that is the internal narrative that you are repeating to yourself of, I am weak, then yes, you can bet you through your day, the way that you will translate internally what you are perceiving will validate the I am weak. If, you know, another example that's a little more like, I don't want to say more concrete, but um, maybe more neutral or could be seen as more neutral as, versus the example I gave a minute ago. But I imagine, I think we've all had times in our life where we are more like, maybe we're more deconditioned, like less, have less strength overall in our body than we have at other times. And so, you know, then you are starting a new strength regimen or you're going to go, okay, I'm going to go lift some weights. I'm going to do some bicep curls. And you are lifting a significantly lower weight than you have previously in your life. It can be easy. It can be a slippery slope of even on a subtle level in those moments to go into a judgment around, oh, I'm weak. Oh, here I am again. Oh my gosh, I fell off the bandwagon. I'm starting over. And that sort of energy is, I mean, one, I just, I feel almost like Eeyore in my body as I say that. It's it's almost, it's life sucking. It's not life forcing. It's not life giving. It's not reinvigorating. It's not helping to blossom that beautiful flower in your garden. Instead, it's like growing, the, the roots are growing deeper for the weeds. They're just becoming more reinforced. And when you are working out or moving about your day in that kind of energy, that's coming so much more from a place of punishment or a place of you're wrong or you're bad. Versus deciding to move your body or exercise your body for the sake of celebrating what your body can do. And we'll go deeper in this in episode five, um, the idea of exercise or movement for pleasure versus exercise or movement for punishment. But I believe a big piece of the culture of exercise that's been reinforced for a lot of us in our lives. And I do see this as shifting, but has ultimately 
come from trying to punish our body, trying to conform our body into what we have been conditioned to believe is an acceptable form, is an acceptable way for us to look. And the energy of that is so contractive in nature. It's contractive, it's shrinking, it's rigid. It's going to keep you stuck. It's going to keep you stuck, not just like mentally with your thoughts, not just keep keep you stuck in body hate, but like literally your tissue from a fascial level that's going to literally increase more rigidity, more tension, more, I mean, that contractile energy is going to impact you in all levels. So emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And this goes for all of the seven main beliefs that keep you stuck in body hate versus, and I'm just inviting in this idea now that movement for pleasure And one, really letting your body come into the conversation in regards to how you want to move, how you want to exercise today, and really choosing to move as a celebration for your body, choosing to move because it brings you delight. You know, the days you don't feel like moving, still taking a moment to actually connect with your body. And I would imagine more often than not, you're going to move anyway. Movement is key in our healing journey and helping to rewire our brain, rewire our nervous system. And something I didn't spend a lot of time in the intro of this specific episode is talking about what we are doing here. What I'm going to be inviting specifically even with the practice today is helping to rewire our thoughts and our nervous system. And movement is a fundamental piece in being able to do that. So I'll get more into that after I go through all of the seven main um, beliefs that keep you stuck in body hate. But number two was I am weak. Number three is I am not enough. So for most of us, our focus, our attention is primarily on the external world. It's where we are trapped in comparison with others. We are like trapped, sucked into what's happening with everybody else. What does everybody think about me? And when you are in that focus, when your attention is mostly primarily on the outward world and what is happening, you will have this void within you. The I am not enough belief in and of itself. I'm not enough, right? There's lack. There's a void. And so subconsciously, you will do everything in your effort to fill that perceived void. And when when we are operating from that subconscious intention to fill the void, the actions that we will do in an effort to fill that void will not be actions that are aligned with our true self, that are aligned with what I think of as like our capital S self, our higher self, our true nature. They're not actions that are really coming from a place of integrity. They're not actions that are coming from a place of body love. 
Instead, they're actions that will feel more scattered or agitated or trying to fill us up, right? So in my own story, and I shared this in my book, um, I struggled with compulsive overeating. And when I say it was compulsive overeating, it was compulsive. It was an out-of-body experience where I felt I had zero control. And a big part of why that was happening to me, and we'll go into all of that in this episode right now, but was because I believed I was not enough, because I was not in my body. There was this void within me. And because I was so out of body and I was so disconnected, I needed something to help ground me. I needed something to help fill that void so that I didn't have to feel. I needed something to numb the pain that was really present, the pain of believing I was not enough. And when I do the episode of I Am Not Enough, which will be episode um, seven, (laughs) Um, six or seven, I think six, I am going to share with you um, a foundational embodiment practice that will support you in uncovering your enoughness from the inside out. And when I learned this practice that I will share in episode six, it, it shifted everything for me because I spent most of my life believing I was not enough because of the way my physical body appeared. And so that kept me stuck. That kept me halting back and keeping myself small. I believed I wasn't enough for the relationships I truly desired. I believed I wasn't enough to really put myself out there in regards to my career or my volunteer service or my community. And I did a lot of mindset work. I did a lot of like, just try to be positive. I just need to be positive. Just like say that I'm enough. And yes, that is important to some degree, but the body wasn't on board. I wasn't embodying it. It was when it's just, when we're just saying affirmations or positive thinking solely from an intellectual level, solely from a mental state, and we're not actually connected to the vibration of the words, it's going to fall flat. It's not really going to transform your life. And I think that's why a lot of people are like, I don't like affirmations. I'm a big fan of affirmations, and one of the things I hope to support in teaching you through this podcast is how to actually anchor affirmations, anchor positive thinking into your body, how to become more embodied, how to embody the belief, because that is where true transformation happens. And so, for example, when I learned this embodiment practice that I will teach you in episode six, I was like, transformative because I remember like I was in an all, I was in a weekend three-day event and was on a break and it was right near a mountain in, in Golden, Colorado actually. So I was able to go on a little hike by myself on the break. So I was out hiking on a trail and had this moment where I just stopped and noticed like, holy crap, like I feel so good. Like I felt magnetic. I felt confident. And so then I just kind of checked in with myself and I noticed that I am not actively trying to say that I'm enough. I'm not actively trying to be happy or be confident. I just was. 
I was grounded and anchored into my own personal center of gravity, my own personal center of resource and stamina. I wasn't thinking about being in my body. I actually was present in my body. And that allowed me to literally feel my enoughness. It was a feeling viscerally and energetically. So I didn't need to prove. I didn't need to project. I didn't need to be like, I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. I just felt it. I just was. And I think a lot of the diet, weight loss, culture, and marketing is completely set up to have us feel like we are not enough. It's geared to having us feel like we are not enough because of the way our physical body looks. And so we need to quote unquote fix that. So you need to buy this product or do this cleanse or do do this new thing. But basically what you need to do is fix this physical body of yours, this problem of yours so that you can be enough. And that's, that's false. It's not true. The belief of I am enough and really knowing that and feeling that doesn't come from losing five pounds. It doesn't come from finally attaining your ideal body. I think I can think of so many, specifically even women that I know who used to be uh, professional bodybuilders and in that world and compete and will share now when they were at their quote unquote like fittest and quote unquote most ideal was some of the most unhappy that they internally felt and more felt like lack than they really felt like not enough. And so it's key in this shifting in your own subconscious garden to shift from I am not enough to I am enough. The key is really learning and cultivating your own practice that supports you in being in your body. So that's um, the third belief. I am not enough. Hey, it's Emily, and I wanted to interrupt this episode briefly to let you know about an online offering that I have, Body Love. So in my own journey, for most of my life, I hated my body. I tried everything in regards to different diets, workout programs, you know, even my study of the human body in the hopes that one of those things would, you know, in quotes, fix my body into being an acceptable and appropriate size, trying to fix my body into being thin. I believed that if I was skinny, if I was thin enough, then I could be happy and and feel like I was enough. The key thing in my healing journey towards loving my body was to learn how to actually inhabit my body. Most of the other approaches focused my attention outwards and on trying to, again in quotes, fix what was wrong. When I finally learned how to come back into my body, that is when I experienced full-on, true body love. 
No longer was my mind preoccupied with thoughts of, you know, does my stomach look big in this? Instead, I could finally simply be and enjoy my body exactly as it is. My online program, Body Love, 12 Weeks to Happiness and Confidence in Your Own Skin, is my method that I have created that combines my expertise as a certified rolfer, my work as an Art of Feminine Presence teacher, my knowledge as a coach, and more that will transform your relationship with your body so that you can experience joy and ease in your body exactly as it is. Body Love is a self-guided, fully online program. It's not a diet program. It's not a workout program. It's not about giving your power away to someone else. It's not another distraction. During the 12 weeks, you will learn how to actually inhabit your body and release body shame. You don't have to keep living in this cycle of continuous preoccupation with feeling like you're not enough or feeling dissatisfied because of the way your body appears. You can experience confidence and happiness now in your body. Body Love, 12 Weeks to Happiness and Confidence will teach you how to do just that. If you're wondering if Body Love is right for you and would like to learn more, go to this. You can either send me a message if you have my email or go to the show notes where I have a link where you can learn more about Body Love as well as a link where you can share. Um, schedule a complimentary zero pressure call with me where we can connect one-on-one to really see if it's a right fit. And if not, I can point you hopefully in the right direction. And in Body Love, on top of lifetime access to the modules, you'll also receive lifetime access to a private Body Love community where you will be connected with others who are on a similar path, as well as receive more support from me. I also have an upgrade option for Body Love where you can receive one-on-one support from me as you go through the program. So that is an option if you would like to be you know, held in a more strong container and have some one-on-one sessions with me. So go to the show notes, check out Body Love, set up a call with me if you resonate with this. And now let's get back to the episode. Okay, so the fourth limiting belief that keeps you stuck in body hate is I am fake. So if you feel unhappy in your body, if you feel too fat, too thin, too dumpy, what happens frequently is your ego, your subconscious kind of overrides And you subconsciously, you try to quote unquote posture or you try posturing. What I mean by this idea of posturing is a way of holding your body in an effort to appear a certain way that's incongruent with how you feel internally. And again, we'll be getting deeper into all of this on um, each of the individual episodes dedicated to the limiting belief. But I am fake shows up so frequently 
specifically for us women, um, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I know statistically speaking, for women in the workplace specifically, the I am an imposter, I am fake, feeling belief comes up way like on a much higher percentage than it does for their male counterparts. So there's some part in women, it's not innate or inherent. I think it is more conditioned where we doubt ourselves more, where we maybe feel fake or feel like an imposter. And how the I am fake showed up for me and my body and in my posturing is I had this mode that I was not aware of. So it was completely subconscious. It was a blind spot for me. But it was a way that I held my body in our quote-unquote good posture. So, you know, my shoulders were back. My chest was up. I sucked my stomach in. But I adopted that way of being in my body early, early on because one, I noticed it helped me in what I perceived as look smaller. It helped my stomach look smaller. But it also received more praise or acknowledgement for others. It stopped, I was trying to appear confident. I was trying to appear as I had it all together. I was trying to appear as I'm good. When the truth was, most of the, a lot of those times through my life, I felt really alone or lonely or sad. Or I felt really ashamed of the way my body was. And so the I am fake for me, a part of the way it showed up was I postured this fake way of being that was completely incongruent with how I felt on the inside. And so in that episode, when I share that, it'll be episode seven, I will share a link. I won't do the whole practice on the podcast because it is long, but a free practice and I'll give it at that time. But the practice is what it will support you in is how for you, you can find your inherent strength and your authentic expression through your body. Again, our body is our entrance way into our wholeness of being. Our body is our entrance way into helping us to heal and shift these limiting beliefs so that we can plant more desirable crops, so we can plant the seeds that we desire to grow in our lives. But the body, we must get into the body to do that, right? It's like getting into the soil. And the practice, when you do it, will enable you to experience more ease, confidence, and integrity. So that when and if that I am fake or I am an imposter belief comes up, you don't feel like you just have to fake it till you make it or feel like you just have to posture through it. But you also have another choice of a way of relaxing back and down within yourself without collapsing, without just slumping forward. And so we'll get more into that in episode seven. So the fourth limiting belief is I am fake. So number five of the limiting beliefs that keep you stuck in body hate is I am wrong. I am wrong. How many times have you felt that? And again, you're most likely not consciously going around saying, I am wrong. I am wrong. But... 
what is often happening more, again, that subconscious level is feeling wrong for the way that you think or the way that you feel or the way that your body is. And for those of us who have tried to squash our appetites for food and because we felt ashamed or wrong to have a full appetite or to, you know, even thinking of our appetite for life, if you've ever squashed that down or tried to diminish your desire, diminish your dream because you felt wrong to admit what it was you fully wanted. What you're really doing, you're squashing down your deeper yearnings. When you are suppressing your appetite, you're suppressing your appetite for a full and voluptuous life. And so when we go into this belief of I am wrong, we'll look at all of the ways that shows up. And something that I work directly with all of my individual coaching clients is supporting them in releasing body shame. And so this I am wrong, all of the beliefs that I'm mentioning today are to varying degrees contributing to internal body shame. But this I am wrong is, I think, one of the the strongest. Because when we feel wrong, when we believe we're wrong because of how our body looks, when we believe we're wrong because of what we eat, when we believe we're, or what we don't eat, when we believe we're wrong because our body doesn't move the way that we think that it should, or it doesn't move the way that that fitness person on Instagram's body moves. When we feel wrong for those things, we typically completely juxtapose with it, feel a lot of shame. We feel ashamed. And we tend to internalize that. And when we internalize shame, that's literally feeding the shame. That's feeding that loop. And one of the reasons why I have my free radical embodiment community, if you're not on there, you'll see the link at the end of the show notes. It's on Facebook and I invite you to join us, but is to have more of these conversations in a safe container around our body, around food, around our internal thinkings. Because when we do that in a safe framework, that is supportive, it allows us to, when we can shine light on the shame in that way, it allows it to transcend, transform, to heal, to integrate. So we get to integrate these aspects of ourselves instead of just feeling wrong and disintegrated. When we feel wrong, we're pushing it away. We're suppressing. We're not wanting to look at it. It's uncomfortable. It feels wrong. And that's cutting you off from being a fully integrated human and cutting you off from really being able to fully experience joy. And so part of why it's important to talk about it and talk about these things, and not just like anywhere to anybody, but within, again, I'm a, a, a safe container, an appropriate framework, is 
we're sh not only shedding light on the shame, but it's literally when, when shame is talked about in that way, when it comes up the surface, you can't see me, but I'm doing a lot of hand actions as I'm saying this, we're bringing it to the surface so that it's those roots aren't just like continually deepened and deepened and deepened in our garden. We're bringing it to the surface so we can uproot it and move it on, let it go. So the fifth limiting belief is I am wrong. The sixth is I am too much. And every woman I know has this belief to some degree, right? Women have been told their emotions and their needs are overwhelming. And we try to become smaller because restricting ourselves is what our society promotes. And a big piece of this I am too much belief, I think, comes from childhood. And when I shared, you know, we've been told our emotions, our needs are overwhelming. When you were being raised, and this is something, if you're listening, you can just take a moment and reflect if this resonates with you or which part resonates with you in your own experience of your childhood. But what would happen when you would cry or you would be upset or angry, especially angry? No, often the different responses that our parents, and I just want to name, we're not blaming our parents. We're taking personal responsibility for how we feel. We're taking personal responsibility for the life we are creating. That's a huge piece in this body love journey is taking personal responsibility. But we are looking at the ways that our parents, especially with this, I am too much, how they responded to our emotional needs. And coming from a place of they were doing the best they could with the resources that they had at that time. And so when you were angry, when you were crying, when you were upset, when you were having a tantrum or a meltdown, how would the adults in your life, like if it wasn't biological parents, if you know, it was grandparents, aunts, whoever the, the primary adults in your life were, how would they respond to you? Would you be sent to your room to go deal with it? Were you sent to your room being told, stop feeling sorry for yourself, go, you know, deal with your tears alone in your room? I think that's one of the most common things that I hear from people I work with is literally being told to go in their room. You're being too much. Go to your room. You're crying. You're feeling sorry for yourself. Go to your room. Were you called a crybaby? Were you made to feel wrong or too much for your emotions? And often that too much is they maybe was like your parents maybe did feel like they were at their capacity. They were at their wit's end. And so it felt too much for them to handle. And so what we then did subconsciously is internalize this idea of we are too much. Our needs are too much. Our emotions are too much. So how can we condition ourselves to like shrink a little? to not need to be too needy, not be too emotional, not take up too much space. So that's the sixth belief is I am too much. The seventh um, main belief that keeps you stuck in body hate is I am not worthy. This is the last one we'll talk about. And advertising, marketing, the whole industry is designed to make you feel unworthy. If you feel unworthy, 
you will buy, right? And that's what's generating their income. And an imaginary, you know, quote unquote, an ideal body is created through digital manipulation. And if your body does not resemble that image, you are made to doubt your value. So it's all, it's a setup. You are being seduced to buy so you can fix the broken parts of yourselves. But if you give your power over to something external, if you're trying to find your worthiness through something external, through something that you're being sold and in in something that you're being sold, that's like not bringing you back into yourself and not supporting you and really knowing yourself, but being sold something that's a pretty frock or a diet tea. I don't know why diet tea always comes to my mind here. Um, I've never even consumed diet tea, but they've always seemed ridiculous to me. I guess that's why. Um, but if you're if you're purchasing, if you're operating from that mode of feeling unworthy, it's it's only unfortunately going to perpetuate the loop of continuing to lose yourself because you're giving your power away. You cannot seek to find your worthiness outside of you. You have to come back within. And when that unworthiness is what's driving your show, what's as you're operating through your day, again, as I've, as I've said with the other beliefs is you will be shown evidence of how you are unworthy. And as I'm saying this, like you'll be shown evidence of how you are unworthy. That doesn't mean that it is true. By no means is that true. That is not true. You are worthy. But the way our subconscious mind operates continuously, always, is it's seeking to find validity for what it is believing. These weeds are seeking to find evidence that will support them in grounding their roots even deeper. And so, so that's, that's, Seven is I am not worthy. So that completes um, the seven main limiting beliefs. So if you let the limiting belief weeds grow wild, you will continue to see more of that same story in your reality. So the limiting beliefs, they will cloud your judgment and perception. So to list them briefly, the seven main beliefs that keep you stuck in body hate. I am too fat. I am weak. I am not enough. I am fake. I am wrong. I am too much. I am not worthy. And so my intention, one of sharing these is to first step, bring in awareness to help bring more awareness and light around some beliefs that might be lingering in your subconscious. And so I'm hoping that this will support you in wanting to, from that awareness, create some change, create some change in your habitual thought patterns, in your habitual behaviors that are more self-sabotaging in nature. 
And our tendency when we want to change a behavior is to be hard on ourselves, is to, we tend to be restrictive or controlling or rigid. And that is the last thing I want you to do as we're on this journey together. So I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. I'm going to mention it again now that we've gone through the seven main beliefs that keep you stuck in body hate is I want you to be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. That old paradigm of being restrictive, being controlling, just got to get control of this fat body. I just need more willpower. That old paradigm, it's not regenerative, it's not a regenerative or a creative way of being. In and of itself is that contractive nature. So instead, when we can step into a new way of relating to ourselves, this being gentle and having gentleness be our main umbrella theme in our healing, in our growth journey, being gentle is what is going to help you create more forward progress, more momentum in your journey, in your journey of specifically inhabiting your body more. Because it's when you inhabit your body, that is where body love comes from. That is when you can really rewire and let go of these beliefs, is literally by reclaiming and being in your body. When you are gentle, it invites in more curiosity, more permission, and more opportunity to uncover what's underneath the surface and what's really maybe vying for your attention, what message your body is wanting to share with you. And so I mentioned this also, but when you only look at mindset, so when we're only trying to be positive or just affirmations, or I just got to control my mind, when you're only looking at mindset, it's not fully supportive especially if you are actually wanting to rewire these thought patterns. So the body must be on board. I think we all know this by now. The mind and body are connected, like plain and simple. You can't affect one without affecting the other. And so you can accelerate your progress and your progress. Anytime I use the words progress, success, momentum, growth, and in this podcast, in my work, Um, What I'm meaning is your progress towards experiencing more love for yourself, your progress towards experiencing more time in your body versus out of your body. So you can accelerate your progress by bringing the affirmations into your physical body. So yes, I do have affirmations for that go with each of these seven main beliefs, and I'll go into those each in the individual episodes. So yes, I'm a fan of affirmations, but I'm going to teach you and invite you and encourage you to, when you are rewiring your brain, when you are feeding your subconscious mind, to also feel that on a visceral level. So not just to be thinking the thoughts uh, mentally. And so this is where our practice for this episode goes. So this is the, I'll take us to the end of the episode by sharing with you a practice that I encourage you to do. I call this healthy self-induced brainwashing. (laughs) 
Um, so as I've said, the more you repeat something, the more you will believe it is true. So why not? Why don't we like brainwash? We're not really brainwashing, but we're kind of like washing. We're cleansing. We're clearing our garden with some healthy, regenerative, creative thoughts. So you're feeding, nourishing the garden of your mind with more desirable seeds and thoughts, thoughts of a creative nature versus those thoughts that are keeping you stuck, thoughts that are keeping you more in a destructive nature. One thing I always want to note when you are rewiring, when you are creating new patterns, new ways of being, our old patterns, your habitual tendencies have deeper neural grooves. So meaning when you're tired or stressed or sick or you feel like you're at the limit of your emotional capacity, you will more naturally gravitate to those deeper neural grooves. You will more naturally gravitate to your more deeply wired habitual tendencies. And so it's important to just make peace with that fact alone. So then if you notice, if you have, you know, as you're aware that, oh, wow, like I'm really noticing a lot of limiting beliefs creep up or I'm really having a hard time, these patterns are coming up. Those are good opportunities that maybe it's an invitation that you should slow down, slow down and pause. Maybe what can you do to create more resource for yourself? Resource being more rest more healing, um, something that can help you release some stress. But also if we just take that fact of when you are tired, triggered, when your energy isn't um, as full that, and, and if you are going into some old tendencies, that that's also almost to be expected, that can help us be a little gentler with ourselves and not judge ourselves for like, oh my gosh, like I was doing so well. I just felt back. Like, why I'm wrong? Why am I so stupid? Um, and just realize like, oh, right. Like this is my deeper, like currently neural groove. Um, and I can also use that information, that knowledge for my benefit. And I can choose a different thought. I can choose a different behavior. I can choose a different action. So the more you repeat these new desirable seeds, you're making those that, that groove, that new groove, that new neural pathway larger. So here is the specific practice. Over the next three days, I want you in your phone, in your notes, you're going to keep track of any negative belief that comes up for you. You're going to put it down on your notes. Just write it in. You're doing this on your phone because most of us have our phone all day long. After the three days, so literally for three days, you're just tracking any sort of negative belief that comes up for you. At the end of three days, you might want to take a piece of paper for this, but I want you to categorize your beliefs under similar themes. So, so meaning noticing, like start to distill down and create some patterns between your beliefs. So noticing like what are similar and put them in a column together and then see if you can distill from those columns it down to like a few specific limiting beliefs. From there, I want you to notice what category, what column has the most limiting beliefs listed under it. 
And that's what you're going to work with because whatever one has the most listed under it is probably currently one of your strongest weeds that's really like tugging at your subconscious. And so you'll look at that category and I want you to turn the negative belief into an affirmation. So an affirmation is generally the opposite or the positive, the affirmative of the statement. So some examples of maybe some you might use is, I am strong, resilient, and adaptable. Or I am secure. Or I am confident. Or I am a perfect weight. Or this one I like because I've had clients use this because it helps them early on in their journey to, they, they can believe this one more. It's I am doing the best I can. So if like I am confident feels way too out of reach for you right now, or I'm beautiful in my body feels just like fluff, then maybe try one around like I'm doing the best I can. Something that you want to be at least be able to believe it a little bit. Because if you can believe it a little bit, you don't have to fully believe it. That's like if you fully believed it, you probably want to be doing this practice. Um, but you want to have a little sense of being able to sense the quality of the words in your body um, because that's going to help you ground it and anchor it in. And so then what you're going to do, why this becomes the healthy self-induced brainwashing is you're going to get out the voice memo on your phone and you're going to, you know, take yourself into your body, a body scan, take some deep belly breaths. Then you're going to recite your affirmations into your phone. And it might seem silly. Um, that's okay. <laughs> It might seem weird, that's okay, but you're going to say your affirmations into your phone and record them. Then the brainwashing comes in every morning upon first waking, every evening before you go to bed, you are going to listen to your recording on your voice memo. And why you're doing it at those times is the times around wake and rest is when we can more readily influence our subconscious mind. Our conscious mind isn't as active at those times, so we can go and kind of infiltrate our subconscious mind. And so we can do that by giving our subconscious mind some desirable seeds or desirable crops. We're feeding it the regenerative, creative nature thoughts. So for three days, you're going to track your limiting beliefs in your notes of your phone, then you're going to come down, you're going to like set aside a 15 minute time, write them in columns, get clear, what are your main, you know, identify one or two main limiting beliefs. Then you're going to create an affirmation, create two to three affirmations and record yourself saying them. And you're going to listen to that recording every morning and every night for at least a week. And then I want you just to notice, what do you notice? What shifts for you? If anything at all, Awesome. So thank you for tuning in and being here with me today. I'm really grateful for each of you for listening, for participating. Um, And this was episode three of the Radical Embodiment podcast, the seven main beliefs that keep you stuck in body hate. And if you do the practice, I would love to hear how it goes for you. So please, you know, 
send me an email, share this episode with your experience. And if you did enjoy the episode, I invite you to please subscribe to the podcast as well as share it with friends and family. Take care.